When I was in high school, there was a girl that taught me a very valuable lesson. We were walking down the sidewalk, and in the sidewalk, in the middle of the sidewalk, was a telephone pole. And you think, no one thought to move the telephone pole two feet over or have the sidewalk go around the telephone pole. It was right in the middle of the sidewalk. And I exclaimed, this is perhaps the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Who sees to it that a telephone pole is in the middle of a sidewalk? It seems unthoughtful at best and dangerous at worst. And this girl whips around. Her eyes are this big. She throws out her arms to her side in dramatic uh, uh, exasperation. And she says, do you have to complain about everything? Is there anything you find okay? You have been complaining since the beginning of this walk. And then we quietly walked on after that. And as we walked on, I was reviewing my time with her. And I go, wow, I, I really do complain a lot. And so since that time, I have tried anyway to be better about that. It's really easy to be a complainer. It's easy to point out the mistakes of others. It's easy to see what's wrong in the world. We get that down at about age one. We've got that all figured out. But unfortunately, it is not a model for happiness. The Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, the attitudes that we are supposed to develop in the gospel today, they correspond with our desire for happiness. They are of divine origin. They are that thirst within us that leads us to God. Because he is the only one who can ultimately quench them. It's like the thirst for water. It leads you to a water fountain. The Beatitudes lead us to Jesus. Let's just take one. Blessed are those who mourn. And it doesn't mean those who are sad necessarily. A better equivalent word in the English language would be grieve. Blessed are those who grieve. The world is not good about dealing with grief. If you are grieving the loss of something important, or more significantly, you are grieving the loss of someone important, what can the world offer you? The world, to the world, whatever or whoever it was that has ceased to exist, will say to you, get over it. But, but here's another distraction. Look at this. With Christ... You who grieve, there is hope because there is the promise of more. There is the expectation that if I have lost anything, it will be more than made up for in heaven. If I have lost anyone, they will be waiting for me in heaven. So I may grieve, but my grief is underladen with hope. And the one person who can give this hope is Jesus Christ. Beatitudes. Okay. But it is more than just those who happen to be experiencing grief. That's part of this beatitude. The other part is those who look at this world and go, you know what? This world needs help. It is those who look at the world and realize that things are not right. And it is this grief, no matter how minor, by which we know that our world our country, our city, our neighborhood, our parish, our school, or even our homes are not as good as they can possibly be. They can be so much better, so much happier, so much holier. 
They should be. They could be, but they're not. At that point, we can be like the young Valanchek boy who walks down the sidewalk and sees the telephone pole and just goes, woe is me. That is for those who misread today's gospel, particularly this beatitude. Instead of blessed are those who mourn, they read blessed are those who moan. This, too, is not a recipe for happiness. For the last few weeks, I have not been able to listen to my NPR stations, and it may be completely the total random draw luck of every time I turn it on. And I'm not denying that there aren't problems in our country and possible problems that we may be facing but the way they seem to have dressed it lately is like that young Valanchek boy walking down the street just complaining, moaning, and groaning. And I get to the point like, I can't take it anymore, and I have to turn the radio off. It's not that these are not important issues, but there's only so much moaning that we can do, and then we need to start talking about what we will do. Priests are great moaners. Get us together in a room, and I'll admit, we can moan about just about anything. Over the past year, we've had some difficulties. We know that our bishop has not been doing well for a while. We're in this interim period right now where things are kind of at a standstill while we're waiting to find out who our future bishop is going to be, so there's a lot of moaning going on about that. And I guarantee you, it doesn't matter who our bishop is. It could be Jesus Christ, and half of us will moan about it. But after that, we must say, okay, this is the situation. What can I change? What can I not change? And therefore, I must learn to work with it or around it. And then stop moaning and start working. Think about our own patron, St. Sebastian. He lived during a time of suppression of the church. It was the emperor for whom he worked that was suppressing the church. Could he change the emperor? No. Could he still do something? Yes. And he did. Did it lead to his eventual death? Yes. But by whom was he ultimately comforted? By his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for eternity at that. Last week, I received a phone call from Sister Bridget. She's a, a, a young lady from my last parish who went to New York and joined the Sisters of Life. The Sisters of Life, if you're not familiar with them, they wear the, the long blue and white uh, habits. You can't miss them. And their entire mission is to uh, minister particularly to women, but to all people, and, and promote life. And she said she and a few sisters are coming down here this summer for another event. She says, I hope there's something going on at St. Sebastian so we can come down there and be a part of that too. And I said, I don't care when you're coming. Even if there's not an event, there will be. So come on down. And just before we hung up, she says, I'm going to tell you a story. I think you'll like it. Something that just happened. They were planning on having this event in, in, in New York City outside of St. Patrick's. And uh, uh, what they were going to do was pass out roses to women uh, and say, and you know, if you want to, go into the church, present that flower to the, at the Blessed Virgin Shrine, and there will be priests available for confessions, trying to bring about some healing and whatnot in, in New York City. What they didn't realize, that it was on the exact same day as the Women's March in New York City, 
And so they were contemplating, should we do this or should we not do this? Should we postpone it to another day, perhaps? And they thought, well, no. If God lined it up this way, this is what we're going to do. Instead of going out into the community, however, they stayed close to St. Patrick's doors. And they said they just saw the people streaming by, streaming by, streaming by to go to the parade route. They said all kind, they witnessed and saw all kinds of disturbing things that were going on. She says, but there were the women who would stop by and they would hand them the flower and they would take it into the church and they would present it at the shrine. And then some of them went to confession. They said some of them stayed there for hours. They said people were crying. Uh, and as they were going into the church, the guards at the doors would say, you are more than welcome to come in, but your signs must stay outside. So they would leave their signs. And they said most of the signs were abandoned. They never were picked up again. These nuns mourn something in our society And they went out and they continued to go out to do something about it. And who brought them comforting? Jesus. Jesus brought forth the comforting. Who will offer these nuns comfort for their actions? A grateful nation? No. It will ultimately be Jesus. And there is their great hope and joy. There is our calling, brothers and sisters... When you grieve the maladies of this world, don't simply moan about them, but do something. If the only thing we can do is pray, pray. Our world needs more contemplatives anyway. If you can take action to further bring about the kingdom of God, do it. You will not make heaven on earth. We cannot make heaven on earth. We cannot create the perfect utopia. We can constantly strive to get closer toward it. We can constantly allow the kingdom of heaven to break into this world, but it will never be perfect. As Michener said in one of his novels, God gave us mosquitoes to remind us that no paradise is the paradise. That paradise comes in the next life. But we can engage in the effort here. And he writes again, and I'm going to paraphrase slightly here. There is evil in the world that God will not combat without the help of man. A mystical partnership is being offered, stunning in concept and in its power to elicit the best in life. 